listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. So as I've said, uh, any spiritual journey, any authentic spiritual journey starts with forgiveness. And the reason why uh, I put it in those terms is that a spiritual journey is basically walking a path towards what you have always been and always already are. Okay? We've spent a lifetime piling stuff on to create the facade just the way we want it or to establish uh, an identity with a role just the way we want it. it helps us get through the world and there's nothing wrong with that that's actually very very natural awakening is not natural in that sense awakening is totally natural in that it's all that the universe really wants to do through us the universe in other words wants to see itself through us we have a fancy name for that we call that evolution Things evolve. Things change. And they change omnidirectionally. I mean, they go every which way. And that's impossible for our separate self-sense. In other words, that in us which feels like it's separate from the person sitting next to us, from those people out there who you know, do those stupid things, or from that political leader that drives me crazy, or from, you know, my child that just isn't doing what it's supposed to do, or, you know, whatever it happens to be. We become divided at that moment. We are divided when we are small, and we perceive everything else out there as, you know, kind of coming at us. And in that division, spiritual work looks so hard, looks so difficult from that space. From forgiveness, however, when we start to really forgive others for their limitations and ourselves for our limitations, in that forgiveness, suddenly we're made aware. Usually it, there's a felt sense of being aware of kind of like oh, an openness. It's a release. And in that release, we're actually given an invitation into this rather... Um, formless, nameless space. Of course, we try to give it names all the time, and poets do a fairly decent job, but uh, uh, the teaching points us right in this direction. Take this path is essentially what all spiritual teaching tells us. Now, we can interpret that spiritual teaching to do this, and then everything will be okay. Okay, But that doesn't really work. What, what will work is if there is an acceptance and forgiveness of all that is small, all that is divided within us and without, within others. The minute we can forgive that, forgive, open up, be generous, pick your term. The minute we can do that is the minute we can then begin to let the universe evolve through us consciously. It's already evolving through us, but when we can meet it with our own awareness, when awareness in us meets the awareness of the universe, something really mystical happens. 
And a great way to do that is to begin to meet your stillness as often as possible in the middle of your day. Can you uncover that which is still? Give you a little trick, a little tutorial. Pardon me. As you find yourself in line at the deli, looking to get the best possible corned beef sandwich that you can, okay? And there is someone in front of you who can't make up their mind, and you already know that, damn it, I'm getting the corned beef sandwich, and I'm going to have... Um, I'm going to have a little extra, like, Thousand Island on there, just to, so it's almost like a Reuben, but not toasted or anything, you know. And you, you're very clear what you want. And the person in front of you is not clear about what they want. And they are actually reminding you of how separate you feel from their experience. And then you begin to judge them based on your perceived limitations of their inability to choose the corned beef sandwich, which is obviously best. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? When you're in that space, meditate. Meditate. And when, when I say meditate, it's not that you necessarily go, oh yeah, that's what they're doing. Uh, I forgive them. <laughs> because that just perpetuates the sense of separation, right? I forgive them. They, they clearly aren't clear. I am. They're not. Right? You just, you just keep the whole disaster going, the delusion going. Instead, if it's, wow, they're really having kind of a, a tough time. How am I feeling in this moment in my body? Study that. Because what you can feel is the resistance of their experience as it meets yours. That's the skin of ego. As you meet their resistance, as you, meet, as you resist their experience, you can begin to feel the skin of ego. We can never see ego. Ego's not a little beast that we can actually look at and go, aha, but we can recognize her actions or his actions like that. Okay? We begin to develop an immediacy, an immediate relationship with limitation perceived limitation. And this is actually where we begin to, this is a form of meditation. Okay? This is how we bring meditation into our world. The idea is that meditation is, oh, no, no, no. No, meditation is when you sit and you're very quiet and suddenly you feel peaceful. Yeah, sure, okay, to a point. But real meditation is when you are absolutely aware of your natural state. Whatever it happens to be, that awareness of your natural state. Sitting still, sitting still in an upright posture is just a chance for us to create a laboratory where we can study it more effectively. So we do it formally, you know, at least in this, in the Sangha we do it formally, okay? But you can do it on your own whether it relates to a corned beef sandwich or divorce proceedings or death or cow beating Tennessee. 
all kidding aside, I mean, that was so interesting to be sitting in the stands this last weekend and having this just amazing energy all around and trying to be present within that, you know, trying to be present within that. Can I meditate as these people are screaming and yelling, sometimes with joy at the core of, you know, where they are and other times with abject rage at the core of what they were yelling. That's our meditation. Our meditation never leaves us. It never leaves us. And this is oftentimes um, a left turn for us. We usually turn right. We usually turn right. This is a left turn. This is where we actually, you know, habitually we always turn right. And what this does is it puts us in this clockwise eddy in the flow of life. Okay? And so the way out of sometimes that lock or that eddy is to just turn, turn left and it miraculously puts us back into the flow if we're ready for it. If we're ready for it. And by, by, by uh, uh, that phrase, what, what do I mean by being ready for it? Are you really ready to meet your heart's deepest longing? Are you really ready for that? Because if you are, then you begin to forgive yourself from an undivided place. You're not in a space of division. You're forgiving. You're open. Okay? Non-forgiveness is a pocket or place of division. Okay? Spirit is undivided. The universe is undivided. Okay? But the mind, the ego, the self, whatever term you want to use there, thrives on division. Okay. Forgiveness is opening to non-division. Non-forgiveness is keeping a little bit right here, a little bit of division right here. So whenever I need, I can rip, boom. Okay. It's a source of war. Maybe it's small. If it's collectivized, it can become huge. But it's nonetheless the very seed of conflict, the seed of resistance, the seed of war, is in that space of non-forgiveness. Meditation, once again, helps us uncover that. Turning left when we normally turn right puts us into that space of forgiveness. Forgiveness really is a left turn in the face of... Uh, Pema Chodron talks about this a great deal, I think, beautifully, where she says, you know, we normally just keep turning right. Turn left. <gasps> wow. Or if, you're, le if you're, always, you're always turning left, turn right. And it'll put you right back into the flow. You're no longer in, locked in the eddy. You're in that flow. As we meditate, what the stillness does is actually it slows down that flow enough to where we can see, as I've said before, the stones and obstructions that get in, our, that get in the way of this freely flowing life of ours. Now, what do you do with those stones? If you are truly present, you can take those stones and move them to the side. You can deal with them. You can deal with them and then move on. Okay? Not facing them, not facing what is, always gets in the way of the flow. I'll say that again. When we do not face what is actually presenting itself to us, we choose to ignore it, we choose to go away from it, we choose not to look, okay? We choose to 
compartmentalize it and push it over here where it's safe, in that moment we've hidden. And when we hide from something, we are divided. We're no longer forgiving. We're actually holding on to the resistance from that, whatever that thing is that we want to keep away. We're resisting. An undivided soul, an undivided person, someone who is steeped in a deep spiritual practice of forgiveness, opens themselves to that, endures the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, and realizes that they don't stick if you face them with integrity and honesty and stillness. This happens so much like with uh, depression. I know so many, so many people that I have spoken with recently have talked about how, you know, just this darkness has, has really kind of descended over them in a certain, you know, because of a certain situation. Or, and it's like, you know, I, I'm doing everything I can to, you know, stay positive and, you know, do, it's like, wait a minute, have you honored the depression? Well, what do you mean honor the depression? Well, have you, have you been close to it? Have you become intimate with the depression, curious about it? Because the more you give that attentive, undivided, forgiving energy to the depression, guess what happens to its intensity? Over time, it diminishes, just like everything else, every other type of resistance we might have. Are you saying I should get rid of my medication? No, keep taking your medication, by all means. If that's helpful, great. If it deadens you, you might want to think about adjusting it. But if the medication helps you participate fully with integrity, honesty, it allows you, if it allows you to forgive what's going on, and you can participate, then at some point, you're probably not going to need it. Anesthetizing ourselves to what is doesn't help us face anything. It pushes stuff away. It's a form of non-forgiveness. And this just all happens through noticing our experience. It's so hard at some levels to really notice where our resistance is. But can you find it? Can you find it? Can you be open? That's, again, where meditation in our day-to-day, we allow it. How am I feeling in this moment? Not what am I thinking. How am I feeling? Can you really observe in that observation what happens? We begin to notice what arises. We begin to notice the resistance, whatever it might be, at its very small form before it becomes huge. Yeah. Whenever our resistance it starts out like, you know, I, I, I always use this example, but I'm going to use it again because it happened to me the other day. It cracked me up. I started to notice that uh, on my soft palate, I was getting a little bit of a, a little bit of a tickle or something. And within five minutes, I was projecting well into Thursday about how I'm going to get a substitute you know, for whatever, you know, it's like, I, I need to get somebody to take care of, what am I going to do with Sangha if I get sick, if I, you know? I'd let a little teeny thing become huge, right? And the way I, I, I mean, I, I really did kind of crack myself up. I was just, just, wait a minute. You have a slight irritation on your soft palate. <laughs> it doesn't mean necessarily that your week is gone. It became this big story, but also then it became small again the minute there was forgiveness and a giggle, which after all 
is forgiveness. Laughter is forgiveness. Laughter is a total surrender to what is. It's a, it's a surrender to the surprise of life. And it physicalizes itself in the form of, you know, <laughs> wow, you know, amazing. <laughs> so with this theme kind of of forgiveness, um, I think perhaps a practice that each of us, here's your, here's your homework for the next week, forgive those that it's most easy to forgive first. I find this with kids. It's especially easy to forgive kids uh, for whatever I perceive their limitations to be. You know, whenever I'm around either young, young kids or teenagers or whatever, whenever I'm around them, pardon me, and they do really stupid stuff, part of me resists and then Fortunately, with enough practice, it's gotten a lot better. But instead of resisting where they are, I tend to allow myself a laugh. I allow myself a laugh. You know, the drama of being 12 or the drama of, you know. I asked her to the dance, man, and she, she said, no, man, what a... I didn't like her anyway. I mean, you can watch this whole stuff play out, and it's like, wow, yeah, how cute. Now, you never say that to them, because then you've immediately declared war. Especially with youth. They take themselves so seriously. They are at the highest of high tide when it comes to ego. Very difficult to you know, try to communicate on that level. But if we're open with them, if we can forgive them, start there. Can you then start with someone that's a little tougher, um, in my case, uh, my wife and I are so good for each other on this, on this plane, having a partner in a spiritual practice, forgiving your partner of your perceived limitations of where they are. Wow. Forgiving an intimate of their perceived limitations. Very powerful. Can you then forgive your parents for their perceived limitations. Know that they did the best they could do and they had no idea at all what they were doing. Can you forgive them? You know, can you forgive mom and dad? Even if it was grievous, negligent, you know, if there was grievous negligence going on, can you forgive them? Because at that point, at that forgiveness, you can move away from it. It's no longer uh, something that haunts us after you deal with your parents. And by the way, we've just short-circuited probably 20 years of therapy right now and saved a lot of money, but after you do that, after you do that, after you forgive your parents, can you forgive the people around you that don't know that the corned beef sandwich is best? Can you forgive them? Can you forgive them? Can you forgive those people that you perceive as... Uh, Enlisting, supporting, fostering, and fomenting war. Can you forgive them? Can you forgive your arch enemy? Anybody that you have an archly adversarial relationship with, can you actually forgive them and recognize that they are trying their best to get their needs met? 
just like you? This doesn't mean you have to hold their hand and sing Kumbaya or give them a hug. But it does mean that we can change the relationship that we have to them. And in changing the relationship we have to those perceived trespassers, it allows us to forgive those who have trespassed against us, just like we forgive our own trespasses. Can we do it in, in the interior now? Can you actually forgive yourself for those things that you just aren't that good at? And quit beating yourself up. Can you do that? Can you laugh at yourself? Can you take yourself less seriously? Can you take this experience less seriously? Yeah, we're going to die. Every one of us is going to die. How are you going to live? Make sure it's filled with all that cool stuff like laughter, joy, love, and so forth. Can you center yourself from that place? Laughter, joy, love. Not falsely. It'll happen naturally of its own accord if we just meet this life. If we just stay present. Put another way, if we just meditate our way through the day. questions or comments that such a marvelous meditation hall. It really is. It's such a great pressure cooker for practice. Because we can see as for instance the 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 person driving that huge car behind us that's tailgating us for instance, pushing us in ways that we don't want to feel pushed. And then you can see that they have a cell phone. And then you can see, you know, the little stories suddenly once again become giant. Yeah, it's a great, great place to let go. And if someone's tailgating you and you can, move into another lane. Watch what happens. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's amazing. If you can just, oh, this person cut me off, they, I'll, I'll give them space. Or instead of cutting you off, they just moved their car in front of yours. And they might have done it a little aggressively or something. Some, something may have been fueling that. Whatever, can we begin to surf on those waves? Such a great way of putting it. I love the way you said that. It's a great gauge for how, how meditative your awareness is. Is it a meditative awareness or are you just conscious of things that you have to do? There's a difference. There's a difference. Being aware, being aware, really totally aware, is open to anything. Okay, being conscious means that you have a pulse and you're aware of your awareness. Okay, and being focused can sometimes take stuff 
and push it off to the side, which is also, I mean, all of those are infused with awareness, but what quality of awareness? Is it one that's open and allows for stuff to happen, or is it closed and does it resist? Or when you're pissed. Or when you're pissed, when yeah. I am. I, 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 if I say something, if I'm beside my, by myself, yeah, 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 yeah. or what my hands do, or yeah, whatever, yeah. and I do crack myself up, and I'm, <laughs> boy, it's a gauge. Yeah, yeah, study, study what makes you pissed, yeah. That's the theme to my next talk. Study what makes you pissed. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good yeah. Basically, put another way, in relating to this today's tonight's talk, it, w it would be look very carefully at your non-forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Study your non-forgiveness. In the studying of your non-forgiveness, really cool stuff happens. We can't help but forgive. When we study our non-forgiveness, we realize how much energy is being directed towards this clinging, you know? And the forgive as opposed to the intake. Yeah? Forgive as opposed to intake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Um, as you were using the word forgiveness, I was pretty soon also saying acceptance at the same time. And then I got off into thinking, is there a difference? Is there, a, I, I don't, it seems the same to me. Between acceptance and forgiveness? That's a really good question. What do you think? Tell me about it. I think it. it is. I mean, forgiveness feels a little more egoic to me. Okay. Know, I forgive. Right. Whereas somehow accepting what is, really accepting what is, not just a, you know, oh, I accept it, but, you know, feeling what I feel and accepting. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, I think that's really good. Uh, the, the, as long as the acceptance, I mean, acceptance can also have a tinge of just ego as well, which is like, well, I accept that. doesn't mean I like it, but I accept it. Well, that's not acceptance. Kind of passive. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so somewhere in between those two, we don't really, I think you're right, we don't really have a really good way at least I haven't yeah. come across one, uh, of describing those two spaces, a non-egoic, well, Try them both, openness. I, yeah, open. I am totally open to what is. Mm -hmm. Are you really? Yeah, I really am. It's okay that they can't make the decision about the sandwich. In the meantime, I'm going to just keep studying my experience mm -hmm. yeah. with openness. So, so maybe that's a word we could use. But that's a I think trying all the words is helpful. <laughs> try, try them all out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you bet. You bet. Yeah. Yeah. Where does uh, where do boundaries come in? I mean, for example, if you're the kind of person who lets people walk all over you, you know, you want to forgive and yet you don't want them to mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. take over. Right, yeah. I think actually that's not forgiveness. I would say if, if boundaries are an issue and you keep, you know, you just kind of let people walk on you, you have given them nothing of your sacred essence to work with. You are actually, this is, this is and I want to be careful because I don't want to offend anybody this, but if I rattle your cage a little bit, good. If you're letting people walk on you, you are allowing that which is diminished and small in them to flourish. Okay? 
and this can become really, really awful for them and for you. Because there is something inside of us that can recognize that we've, we've been hurt, but we want to, you know, we don't want to be mean to so-and-so, you know, but, but at the same time, so, so I'll let them kind of get away with this, but, you know, let them, I'll, I'll pick this out of the air, let them use coarse language with me, for instance. Uh, if I allow for that to happen, what I'm allowing is the growth the, of, a, of, a, of a, a form of spiritual cancer in that person. Okay? And you are doubling up the growth of that spiritual cancer within yourself without limit. Now, just because we've set a limit and we become intimate with that limit doesn't mean that we are necessarily attached to it. Okay? This is really tricky because what happens is if our relationship with life as, you know, becomes more and more and more undivided, it means that we can actually set limits and let them be loving as opposed to setting limits that we absolutely put all of our psychic energy in, in the, uh, uh, we use all this energy to, do, to keep them strong, okay? Um, some of the best examples, like I was at the park uh, with my dog. Dog's very easy to practice forgiveness with, okay? You know, your dog, it, you know, like I mentioned this last week, it, you know, peed on my friend's floor. It's like, oh, oh. that is a gorgeous Persian rug. You just did, you know, why did you, you know, whatever. Uh, it's real easy to kind of forgive the dog and not like hold it over their head because why? They live in the moment. This doesn't mean they're enlightened because they're not aware of their enlightenment, okay? But at the same time, Watching the dog behave with other dogs and other people when she has a sense of limitation, of boundary, allows her to awaken that which is golden in people, you know? On the other hand, if you see a dog that has never had limits placed on it, okay? It's never had limits placed on it. What do we see? We see something that actually stirs things, stirs negativity, generates almost a, uh, a warlike defensiveness and resistance among people. So, I, I'm, I, and I believe, as a, as a teacher, I believe very strongly that if you're not meditating, okay, if you're not meditating, this is only going to work that, that much. I can't do anything for a spiritual student. I can't do anything for them. I have nothing to offer them. I only have the pointer that will continually keep pointing at the same stuff and then I'll try it another way and then I'll try it another way and that's all I can ever do. Everything else is up to you. Right? That's a boundary. That's a limit. And I'm making this up, but let's say you project all of this stuff on me or another spiritual teacher or something like that. Go, oh, yeah, yeah, well, she gets it so clearly. It's like, no. They're reflecting what's already great in you. Okay? They're reflecting that. And if they're good, they're going to make sure that that boundary is clear. Through boundaries, we develop the, 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 the sense of strength in this cradling 
forgiveness that we have, we develop this sense of compassion and tenderness. Those two things together can create something that can cut through our delusion, but only then. You have to have both. You have to be able to have that middle, that middle space where there is power that is just like, you know, that feminine mm-hmm, right? Right? Which is kind of, okay, I actually should say that it's very, uh, very much of a, a male quality that here's the way it is, right? Women can have that quality, and they should, just like men should have the female quality of they're there, they're there, right? And if a guy doesn't have that quality, he's half of what he can be. And if a woman doesn't have that masculine quality of here's my limit, this is where I stand, if she doesn't have that, she's half of what she can be. So weaving that into our practice, you know, having the, having the fortitude to say, I'm sitting today. I don't want to, but that's the way it is. Whew, man, nice job. Or don't you dare talk to me that way. It's not kind. And while you're in this house, I'm making this up, but while you're in this house, we're going to speak kindly to each other. You understand? Mm -hmm. Okay, now let go of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming, you guys. Really.